All right. A lot of you folks are wanting to know more about Anthony Black. What's he doing? What's he waiting on? And why his decision has already been made and why it's final. We're all going to talk about it on today's Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Hope everybody is having a absolutely wonderful Wednesday, I guess is uh, the time of this recording. Sorry, my days have all been mixed up. I've been trying to record the podcast uh the day before because of various reasons and scheduling and all that and i know a lot of you've been complaining about my audio and i know it sucks like i've been trying to fix it and hopefully it's fixed hopefully it sounds okay but with this new software and everything it's just it's been a a trial it's been a trial and error but hopefully this fixed it hopefully we're good hopefully you can understand me and hopefully it doesn't sound like crap so uh either way moving that aside uh it's been it's been pretty uh, cool to just have this big week of, of sports and we'll talk uh, about some of the other things that are going on uh, just uh, with Razorback Sports as well. But I will say that when it comes to my radio show or when it comes to this podcast or uh, really any sort of conversation that I have on social media, one of the most uh, obvious and often asked questions that I get and, and people wanting to know more about is Anthony Black. Because at least at the time of the recording of this podcast, Anthony Black has not made a public decision yet when it comes to his future as either a Razorback or moving forward as a um, as a pro player, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, this is uh, this is, hasn't been made yet. And people keep wondering, like, what's the holdup? Everybody else is declaring for the draft. Uh, the season has been over now for a few weeks. You know, what what could possibly be the reason as to why he's taking so long to come out with some sort of public decision? You see him at softball games with Eric Musselman taking pictures. You know, he's making himself pretty public, too. He puts out these cryptic tweets and he puts out these cryptic Instagram stories. And everybody's just kind of like, well, what, what is this? What does this mean? What, what's going on? Could there be something more to it? Well, you know, people just go crazy about, uh, you know, whatever it is and uh, whatever they want to think or whatever they want to believe when it comes to what's actually happening in the situation with Anthony Black. Uh, I wish I could sit here and just say to you that there was something more to the story. But I'm going to say this. Anthony Black is leaving. He's going to the NBA. He's leaving Arkansas. He will not be a Razorback next year. And I think every single one of us know it. We know it. He's just got to make it to where it goes to that next step and understanding that it's, it's over. His career at Arkansas is over. And we wish him nothing but the best. Now, I say that while also saying this. If he comes out like today or you know tomorrow or in two days from now or whatever and says that he's coming back to Arkansas and literally just shocks the entire world, then I will happily like leave this podcast up and y'all can rip me a new one for being wrong. I will gladly accept it. Gladly accept it. But I don't think that's going to be necessary because Anthony Black's going to the NBA. Like, let's just be real about it. Let's be honest about it. And let's try to look at it logically. So that being said, under that assumption, and accepting the fact that he is moving on to the NBA, it kind of makes you wonder about the type of player that Anthony Black will be remembered as 
when he was at Arkansas in his one year, which the season, we all know how it went in the regular season. We all know the frustrations that came along with it. We know of the absolute absurdity that uh, followed at times with the up and down roller coaster stuff. Uh, We know that there were a lot of frustrations given from so many different people and whether it's players or coaches, like all of that going on. We, We all know that. So it's no reason to rehash it. But the big constant in all of this was Anthony Black. He was the player that seemed to me to be the most consistent player on the floor each and every night. He was also the McDonald's All-American five-star player that lived up to all the hype that he was given and being able to perform in various ways. And you knew coming in, like you saw his size, and you're like, how in the world is a 6'7 point guard going to work in college basketball, in high-level college basketball? How is that going to work? It just doesn't seem logical. It doesn't seem like it's a thing that's even possible. Well, Anthony Black not only was able to show that a six foot seven point guard can work, but it can excel. And him having to carry so much of a load this year when you have Nick Smith going out with injury, you have Trevor Brazil going out with injury, uh, you don't really have a whole lot of experienced veteran leaders besides maybe Devo Davis, so many new players to try to get used to and try to play with. It had to be a pretty frustrating thing for him to deal with. He averaged this year 35 minutes a game, and he played in 36 games. Every game for the Razorbacks, he played in, and he started every game. 35 minutes. He shot 45% from the field, 30% from three-point land, 71% from the free-throw line. He averaged five rebounds, four assists, nearly a block shot every game, two steals, and three turnovers, all for averaging about 13 points per game. Now, there's no stat exactly on that list that just blows you away. Like, no single stat where you're like, whoa, that is, that's incredible. How, how is that even possible that somebody like him was able to do that? Like, that just seems so, you know, like, no wonder he was a preseason All-American, a freshman All-American, or whatever. But when you c- accumulate all those stats together, where you think about the amount of games he played and started on top of how many minutes he averaged per game on top of his field goal percentage on top of his rebounds as a point guard on top of his assist as a point guard on top of his steals at a point guard and then averaging the points and knowing the circumstance of what they went through and what they had to go through putting that all of that together it really starts to make sense of just how much of an elite player anthony black was for the razorbacks this past season and one thing that doesn't even get shown up at least not in his final stats when it comes to the numbers and offense, was his defensive presence. I wish there could be a highlight. Maybe War Machine on YouTube could do something like this because I think it would be really fascinating to see. I may be the only one that would be interested in it, but I'd be really fascinated to see if there happened to be a way you could show the greatest defensive plays by Anthony Black this year. He was a problem for many teams to try to go up against offensively. Because you can't scout, you can't prepare, you can't practice and game plan for a six foot seven point guard. You can't throw like when you, if you're a team in the SEC or a team out there in college basketball, you just can't roll out a walk on and say, okay, we need you to be a six foot seven point guard. We need you to be Anthony Black. You can't do that. No one really knew just how good he was or how tough he was to try to go up against 
until they stepped out on the court. Because I'll be honest about this too, folks. And I know me and, and Curtis Wilkerson and Scotty Bordelon, we talked about this when we were in the NCAA tournament. When we saw Anthony Black, and you could say maybe it's because of his hair because he does have a lot of it, but he looks taller than 6'7". Like, he, he might be taller than 6'7". And he's got these long arms and these wingspan that's just, it, it's, it's incredible. He's one of the most unique and gifted athletes that Arkansas basketball has had in quite some time. I mean, they've had a lot of big men that have been really good. They've had big men that have been athletic. They've had uh, some really fast point guards. They have some really great three-point shooters. But, you know, finding this type of unicorn and putting him in this position, it just shows you how good he truly was for the Razorbacks and why, it's, uh, why he had so much success this year and why he was so important to Muss. And I think that there was such a <clears throat> vast mutual respect. You know, because Muss, you can tell, he... Just by his personality, there are players that he seems closer to, or at least that he maybe trusts more. And without a question, Anthony Black was the player he trusted the most on this team, maybe besides Devo Davis. He trusted him. That's why I always put him in the position. And I know that this isn't something that is at least shown for sure as far as the extent of how bad it was or anything. But a thing that people also have to realize about Anthony Black he got criticisms for, you know, he couldn't make threes, couldn't make free throws. Folks, his, he was dealing with such pain and injury down the stretch of the regular season and into postseason play that you don't even realize it. Like, think about it. It, 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 was, it was his leg. It was knee. It was ankle. He was banged up beyond belief. He was banged up beyond belief. And if one of your legs, or especially when it's ankles and knees and everything like that, if it's, one, if it's messed up, you can't jump. You can't jump like you need to jump to do a jump shot. You can't, you know, extend the way you need to extend like you do on a free throw. You can't go in and dunk like you did or, or go in for layups. He still managed to find a way to do some of these things. But when you go back and look at some of the, some of the limitations that he had because of the injury, it really starts to make a lot of sense as to why he struggled so much at times because of that injury and because of the pain he was dealing with. And I think that that alone right there, you know, players deal with injury. Uh, they, they, it happens all the time. It happens in every year for every team, essentially. But to me, that just also shows the great warrior mentality that Anthony Black had this past year for Arkansas. The dude was hurt. He was hurting. He was fatigued. I remember seeing him against Kentucky in that home game, the final home game. Dude was just, he was, he was dying. He was just over uh, during a free throw. Well, someone else was shooting it. He was just bent over next to the bench, and he was just, he, he needed a break. And then Musk kept telling him, hey, I need you, man. We need you. We need you. We need you. And he didn't complain. He didn't say no. He said, I got it. I'm like, okay, I got it. Dude was an absolute warrior. And she should be commended for all of that. Every game he brought it. Every game there was the effort. Every game he had the energy. He fought through pain. He fought through suffering. And also, something that maybe y'all don't care much about, but at least I appreciate and respect, he met with the media more so than any other player after nearly every game, and especially in the losses. Think about that. The freshman, the freshman point guard, during tough losses, frustrating losses, all of that, he was the one that must trusted and that the staff trusted to say, hey, go out there and answer the tough questions. And try to try to get do your best out there, man. Like that's a lot of trust, and that's a lot for an eighteen year old kid to take on. 
but he never seemed scared. He never seemed like the moment was too big for him. In fact, a lot of the games this year, he performed his best when the brightest lights were on him. He talked a little trash. He had some smack talk. He would troll a little bit. Like he, he just didn't have really a, an inkling of a fear of anything. And so saying all that, I'm saying this because so many people have asked about Anthony Black, and I'm, I'm not treating this as like a eulogy. I'm treating this as he's moving on. He's, he's going to be taking the next step. And who knows? Maybe it uh, works out perfectly timed and he announces it as soon as the podcast gets posted. But I, I will say that Anthony Black will definitely be one of the players that uh, I will remember fondly. And I will uh, always have great respect and always be considered one of the great Razorbacks. Because he, for just one year, I know that it was just one year. I know that they finished 10th in the SEC. I know that it was just a Sweet 16. Like, I know all of that. And I'm not trying to put him in the same echelon as Corliss and all those guys. But to me, he's going to be remembered as one of my favorite and one of the best Razorbacks that has played under Eric Musselman. Even for that one year. He deserves that. And I respect him. And I think that Razorback fans are, you know, have reasons to be really proud that he came to Arkansas and uh, have uh, some pretty fond memories and wish him nothing but the best when he moves on to the NBA. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Like, if I'm wrong, I'll, you troll me all day long and say all the bad things you need to say about me. I'm, I'll be fine with it. But uh, I, just, I just think that uh, what he's done for Arkansas cannot be overstated and also uh, should be 100% appreciated by everybody whenever he decides to take that next step into the NBA. Talk a little in-state stuff here in just a second, but folks, grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are all back, and there's no better place to get in on it than the MLB action that is offered by FanDuel, the America's number one sports book, because that's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and it's a great deal, because if you just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, when you sign up, place your first bet, and you get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if, you're, if you don't win. like It's free money. You can't complain about it. You can't be upset by it. So do it and don't miss your chance. Again, the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so continuing on in the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Okay, folks, it's, you're probably going to find this funny, but I'm just going to be honest about it because of the time of recording of this podcast. Uh, Arkansas baseball and Razorback baseball, I should say, is going up right now against uh, UALR. And it's in Baum Walker Stadium. The game's happening at the time of this recording, but again, it's just for scheduling stuff. I had to had to uh, had to bring it this way. But I'd say that uh, at least at this point, it's a pretty high scoring game so far. And uh, what they've had against Little Rock, the first inning lasted forever. It just seemed like it, it never ended. At scoring at will was just happening, boom and boom and boom. And so you you just you know look at uh, well what they how they were able to start and all of that. It, it's been awesome. So. 
nine two right now is what Arkansas is doing against the Trojans, and <laughs> like I I just uh, I don't even know what to say. Like ten straight batters got on base for Arkansas to start the inning. Ten straight. So it seems like they're going to end up winning this game and and winning it big. Maybe even call it early. Let's hope that's the case. Maybe if another freezing cold take that could happen. But that's not the point that of the, what I wanted to bring up. The point I wanted to bring up is that. You know, Arkansas baseball is playing UALR this year. They're, you know, UCA, UAPB. Uh, you know, we've seen them play. They're supposed to play Arkansas State, uh, but it got the, a cancellation there, too. But they're trying to play, and they have been playing over the past few years, some more in state schools. And we know basketball has been doing a little bit more of that. And, uh, you know, football will eventually be doing that. And they've done it a little bit. They played UAPB, and then they're going to play Arkansas State and all that. And, you know, women's basketball does it a lot, all the other sports do it a lot. And it's just so funny to me how people will continue to bring up like some sort of negative thing as as like, oh, well, you know, don't play the in-state schools or, you know, do play the in-state schools. But, uh, you know, there's like this debate where people try to take that type of energy from when it was Arkansas versus Arkansas State in football and address it or blanket it among all the other sports and with all the other in-state schools. And to me, that's not the case. Uh, I, if you've ever listened to my show or on my podcast, I don't know if I've talked about it specifically on my podcast, and there's no reason to go and rehash it or bring it up in depth because it, it doesn't matter. It's all vanity at the end. But I will say that with what Arkansas and Arkansas State have been trying to do in football for a while, I have always been against. I have always been against it. I, I have always felt like they uh, there's no reason for them to play. There's no reason for them to at least play annually. I don't like, I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb that people are trying to force the issue. And for the university of Arkansas, I mean, do you really want to try to, you know, establish an in-state rivalry with a, uh, you know, a team that's in a group of five, like it's just, it's bad. It's bad for business. And it's something I've felt like and have fought against. And I know that they're going to be playing the game in Little Rock uh, in 2025 against Arkansas state, which, you know, people keep thinking, that, oh, that's the beginning of it. They're going to start it up. It's going to happen more often. My take is no, no. That was just something that they made the amendum to the War Memorial contract. And that was a way to make them happy so they could get out a little bit early and get an SEC game out there by saying, hey, Arkansas and Arkansas State will play there in 2025. I think going forward, there's not going to be another game at War Memorial Stadium after that. And there's not going to be another game scheduled against Arkansas State after that. That's what I believe. And so that's vastly different than what basketball and baseball and all the other sports do against in-state schools because one, there's a lot more games. It's a lot more games to deal with and a lot more, you know, midweek stuff. And, uh, you, you know, you can travel a little bit easier to, and you don't lose out on so much money when you play away from Fayetteville, like you would if you played at War Memorial stadium. And so you, you do that and, uh, you know, there's more opportunities there. And, uh, I just think that there's a vast difference between the two situations. So you can't really compare them. But I, I, I've always felt like with baseball, especially, and, and even basketball, I like it. I, I like the, the ability to play each other. And for some reason, Arkansas State just didn't want to play Arkansas in basketball during the COVID year when they needed a game. And they kind of like throw it at Arkansas. It was just something weird. And like, it, it, go look it up. It's, it's something that was really dumb between the, the Arkansas State coach at the time and then uh, Muss, where the guy was just kind of throwing shots at Muss. And he's like, okay, well, we don't have to play you. It's fine. So it's a little bit of history there. So I, but it's, it's just, 
there's no reason to force it unless it's there, and there's no reason in football that it has to happen uh, unless there's some sort of reason why. I keep hearing people say, oh, well, it keeps money in the state. Who cares? Like, you know, sorry that's such a probably a mean thing to say, but you think, why would the University of Arkansas care about keeping money in the state? You know, like, what does that do for them? Now, I can understand if it's a system school, like if it's UAPB or UALR, you know, University of Arkansas system school, then yes, that, that makes sense. But, you know, gets given money to Arkansas State's like, why would they want to do that? I, I don't get it. So it, it's just something that gets blown up and out of proportion and made a big deal. And I saw some people talking about it today and making a big deal about it, too, in baseball. And I'm like, I do not care. Football is the only one that really like, matters in the end because of how much money's involved and how much money's wrapped up in it and the few amount of games that you get as far as opportunities to play non-conference opponents. Because you get four. And when the SEC officially expands, you're going to get three. Three non-conference games, and that's it. That's it. So you've got to be very selective in that. But it's fine now. It's fine now. But I just don't want to see it uh, turn into any other debates because I'm really just tired of it. And I don't care. Either way. We'll talk about a little bit about NIL. Everyone's favorite thing to discuss on the other side of the break here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. So stay with us. You are Locked On Razorbacks. Your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so final segment here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, you know, I saw that there was a... a is a Kyle Filipowski, I think is his name. He's a college basketball player at Duke. And he was the leading scorer and rebounder at Duke. He was a five-star player coming out of high school at Duke. And he was projected to be a top 20 draft pick, top 15 in some mock drafts for the upcoming NBA season. And he announced that he is going to be returning to Duke for another year. That's mind-blowing. Like, that's insane to think about how in just a few years, everything's changed. Because if you were not only a top 15, top 20 pick, if you were a first round pick or even a second round pick, and you were a bona fide guy that everyone knew, is like, hey, this guy's going to get drafted in the first two rounds or the only two rounds of the NBA draft. You were gone. You were Audi 5000. Like, it wasn't even a a question or a discussion. You're out of there. And now you got a player like that at Duke, like that's just so good and everything going along with it, that he is returning to college for another year. The NIL is keeping kids in school. How insane is that? Now, not every player is that way. Now, it's not going to be every player that has an opportunity to get drafted that they come back to college. I'm not saying that. But even in the fact that there's one or two shows you and gives you all the indications of just how much is going on with NIL. But it's, it's, it's 100% true. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. You can't just cover it up or try to act like, no, that's no way it is. It's dumb different. You know, it's, it, you just love Duke. It's, it's a Mecca college basketball. It's like, no, it's money. It's NIL. That's the only reason. And that's the way it's going to be. And you know what? I was I know a lot of people feel very strongly about the NIL and if that's ruining college sports. But that type of thing, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I kind of like the NIL. Because it does, because everyone's always so upset about players just being one and done and leaving and not having any, you know, continuity with the with the star players that you got to know of and everything. Like, well, you don't have to worry about that anymore because they're coming back with NIL. And I don't I don't know what 
Duke is is doing over there. I don't know what the amount of money is. I don't know. And I don't need to know. And I don't care. But that should be a very telltale sign of what kind of money you're looking at. And suddenly, the G Leagues and the, you know, the things that everyone's like, oh, those are the NBA things that'll be better. That that's gonna start really taking a turn. Because when these college or these high school players start seeing, man, not only are kids getting NIL when they get to college, but they're getting enough NIL to where they're turning down getting drafted into the NBA. Like, that's sick money. That's stupid money. So, oh, yeah, forget the G League. I'm going to go to college. And not only am I going to go to college, I may stay there two or three years. The money's there and we're really good. Why wouldn't I? You know, get the college experience and, you know, don't have to have any, uh, don't have to play as many games and be the big man on campus and be able to do my own thing and get my own endorsements and, and just, Work my own magic. How awesome would that be? The freedom that they would have with the NIL, I think, is extremely, and I mean extremely, intriguing to them all. And the more players that do it, the more money that comes in, the more you're going to see things like this happening where players return for a second season or even a third season. You know, maybe that'll happen at some point in time. But I, I just I just love it. I, I love that element. I love being able to have players back and I love being able to to talk about them and, and say that, hey, you're staying in college because I love college basketball more than the NBA. I think most of you listen to this podcast probably do. And, you know, we talked about Anthony Black at the beginning of the uh, of the show. If uh, and again, Anthony Black's gone. But if Anthony Black came back for another year, like are any of you going to care about how much money or that how much money he's making on NIL? Or are you just going to be happy that he's coming back? You're going to be happy he's coming back. Everybody's going to be happy he's coming back. So who knows? Maybe that'll happen with Arkansas. Maybe that'll happen with, you know, somebody that people really want back and they be able to pony up some of the great NIL opportunities that come with it. But it's a thing. It's here to stay. Can't complain. Let's ride and let's see where it goes. I love it. Right now, at least I do. But of course, that could always change too. Let's just hope it doesn't. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.